0: One, two, three, four, woo!
1: Welcome to Me and the Geek. I'm me, Joel Sharpton. You can find me online at joelsharpton.com or on Twitter at The Rogue's Life. And every week I bring you a different conversation with a different geek. I define geeky as anyone who is passionate about their art form, their hobby, their industry. Um, and this week, we've got a couple of folks that are going to be in studio with us or that already were in studio. I had a great conversation uh, early last week with Jake Gwynn, who has already been featured here on this show. Uh, he was uh, a member of the On the Fly production team as they appeared in Fake Off Season 2 on True TV. You can go back and listen to that episode. But we talked a little bit about his career in the movement arts. Uh, and then, of course, we've also featured his father, Mark Gwynn, on this show as well. Alexandria Bozeman uh, was along.
0: These fingers crossed. Cross paprika burgers. Big day today. Jamie gets his exam results. I hope he's done okay. He's worked so hard. So I'm making my paprika burgers for when he gets home. They were lucky last time. I add red onion and paprika to the mints. Then I top with jalapenos. Well Make your own burgers with our Tesco finest Aberdeen Angus beef. Food love stories. Brought to you by Tesco
1: with Mar, uh, with uh, Jake last week for our discussion, and, and she has not appeared on this uh, podcast before, but she's an installation artist, and uh, I'm a friend of her mother's. I've known her mother for a while. I didn't know Alex very well, but uh, she was a fascinating artist in her own right and a, a really interesting discussion that the three of us had. They had had this discussion or begun this discussion off air, and they said, man, it's it's seems to fit what you're trying to do, talking about both the origin of art for an individual and also the direction of your art or your industry or your uh, passion, um, whatever it is that you are making. And that's what we talk about a lot on this show, what you're doing with whatever time you have here. These two are doing a lot. They're doing a lot. They got big ideas. Uh, they're young artists with bright hearts. They're young artists with bright eyes. That's the... Um, sort of idea that they hung it as they presented it to me. And, and it's definitely the way that I want to present it to you. Alexandra Bozeman and Jake Gwynn uh, here in a great discussion of both their own art forms and also where they think art and in general human society is going. Really cool stuff. It's a little bit longer than normal. Take it in bite sizes if you can't handle an hour and 15. That's about the length of the uh, discussion here. But it was just too good for me to break up for you. So let's stop wasting time and get to it. Here is this week's Me and the geek we have had you on before as a guest Absolutely. jake and and we talked a little bit about in that episode and if you want to go back and i'll have a link in the show notes if you haven't heard that episode before uh, as a listener but we talked a little bit about where you came from you got this sort of circus freak family uh to, appreciate to, that not to put too fine <laughs> a point on it but you know mom, mom and papa gwen uh th- they know how to throw a good party you got a lot of sword slingers uh in the extended family the, that's the truth that quote-unquote aunts and uncles. There uh, there's a lot of crazy <laughs> folks. Uh, so – but you were you were born and raised in it, and that's where your art stems from and your art – you know, I think – and you and I have talked not on the podcast but off the podcast about how, like uh, – a lot of people become very reactionary to the schools of their fathers and not their literal fathers, but like their mentors and mentees. And you have a father who is also a mentor. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, So it would be very easy for you to have a very reactionary style. You don't. You have an evolutionary style in some ways of your fathers. You've taken that base of knowledge and and have – added to it, perhaps spun it in a different direction than he might've thought of, but it's not an alternate direction. I would say. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, totally. I I actually found a quote today that really spoke to me and it was, um, a quote by Edgar Edgar Degas. And it said that his work was just a reflection of the work of the masters before him. And that his work was spontaneous and temporal and that he knows nothing. I, I I found that (laughs) to be a really interesting kind of quote that I don't know, spoke to me on a deep level, I suppose. Uh, My work is a reflection of that which I have been trained in over the years and is just reactionary to the world that I see now, I think. Uh, I believe a lot in violence. I believe violence on stage is a really interesting way to generate story and tell a compelling story between two characters. I think it's a cool way to see that happen and manifest. Uh, And I think, I don't know, I think it's an interesting kind of thing, you know, ultimately. Uh,
1: so we're going to get back to that in just a second, but we, we are not alone in the studio. First of all, m- multiple firsts tonight. We're having our first studio episode of uh, me and the Geek, so um, congratulations to that. But also our first multiple guest episode. Alex Bozeman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. How are you?
3: I'm doing quite well.
1: All right, then. Mm, how so are you? I'm doing well too. I'm doing really well, as a matter of fact. Um. So so first off, just give us if we're if we're at a conference or a business after hours uh, event <laughs> or an art opening <laughs> you and I and uh, and we're exchanging uh, the proverbial business cards as it were or hi. the handshakes and whatnot hi, I, I say uh-huh. hi hi I'm Joel Sharpton mm-hmm. I'm a podcaster and, and DJ you say hi I'm Alex Bozeman I'm a I, what are you Alex I
3: am I'm Alexandria Bozeman I'm I'm Alexandria Christine Bozeman. And I am an installation artist and also a theater designer.
1: Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. I I like I like anyone who can encapsulate themselves. I also like people who, and I, I've heard it um, for so much of my life. I've heard it denigrated the idea of aligning your identity with your art form or your industry. Mm. I think the very opposite is true. I th- is does, is the cobbler ashamed to be a cobbler? No, no.
0: Right. Absolutely. Like
1: why am why would I be ashamed to be why would I be ashamed to claim that I am that I am more than that I am a human being I am multifaceted but I am also very specifically Mm -hmm. this thing that I do I am the work that I make
3: choice that I've made to focus on. Yes particular thing
1: precisely so let's let's get your bio the David Copperfield I am born I grow up where where does Mm -hmm. Alexandria Christine. Mm-hmm. Look at that! I remember Alexandria <laughs> <Well> Christine <laughs> Bozeman. I didn't even have the playback to to help me. Alexandria Christine Bozeman, where does she come from?
3: Ah, uh, she comes from the stars. <laughs> That's a good answer. Are you
1: are you a star child?
3: Aren't we all?
1: We are all made of star stuff, in That's ways. True. Truth. Yes.
3: Yes. Um, I was born in Mobile, Alabama, mm. and then I came to Ruston, Louisiana. Mm, lived a f- relatively normal childhood, and went. Oh, you know, I went to Lu- the Louisiana School for Math, Science, and the Arts.
1: Now, see, that, that is, is a, a notable thing. Yeah, that, that is was a, a pivotal moment. So, for people who don't know what the Louisiana School is, in, in, in I'm going to give it to you in the way that I've always thought of it, and this is something that I knew. I had some friends that went there growing up. It is effectively college for high school students like you go early and you move away from home and you stay there uh, at least during the the school term and you come home on weekends sometimes during the 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 time and the rest of the time it's like it's hogwarts it was the
2: super smart kids
1: yeah really smart (laughs) really gifted uh was it was it just maths and sciences or is it arts too okay arts Arts. there you because
2: they kicked our ass at speech and debate man yeah Yeah. did did Uh we not (laughs) i don't think you did uh maybe Once or twice in spirit. So, (laughs) is that a
3: is that
1: a four year institution or is it just two years? It was a two year. year. Okay.
3: Although now it's three or four.
1: You think that they go all the way to like the so that starts in like the ninth grade, tenth grade there.
3: It it definitely is tenth grade now. But when I was there, it was eleventh and twelfth.
1: And this is located in Alexandria, Mm. Louisiana. Nacogdoches, Nacogdoches, Louisiana. Okay. So you went there and you did you finish high school there mm-hmm. for both years. OK. Mm-hmm. And so after high school, you, you come out and you were a complete social outcast because you don't have a regular high school experience. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So Although I was already an outcast. That's so why you're that. forced to be. Well, yeah, that's why they sent you to Louisiana school <laughs> in the first place.
1: Right. No. Too smart. With the, with the circus freaks. That's, yeah. they're, they're all yeah. down there in, in uh, Natchitoches. And that's
3: why we have so much in common, Jake and I.
1: So, what was your focus there? What was your area of of interest?
3: Everything. Everything. (laughs) Whatever they could pour into your noggin. Yeah, arts and physics and language and calculus. And okay,
1: that's most of the things.
3: Yeah, I loved all the things. I wanted to do crew rowing, but there was not enough time, unfortunately. That would be dope. I know, right? What?
1: <laughs> I don't even crew is the that's like the stroke. Yeah. stroke. That's those guys with the those what guys they are do. It. Beastly, dude. Totally. Yeah, that I say so guys. Strong. I mean, I know that all there are women. Those yes, are those beastly. people's the human beings who participate mm-hmm. in that sport are very athletic and trim looking. Truth.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would I want to be the, the dude with the bullhorn.
1: Yeah, the, the stroke guy? <laughs> yeah, stroke, dude. stroke. Because he doesn't stroke, right? He no. just does the bullhorn.
2: I could be a chanter. I could be the hype man for the crew.
1: I'm imagining I'm they
2: want a really small guy,
1: too. You fit the yeah. profile, probably. It's like jockeys or the stroke <laughs> right, guy on the crew team. That's Right on
2: the prow of the that's boat. That's so good. Yeah. So I when I your knees and your back go bad. Younger. Oh, see, there we go. I want to be the hype man, jockey. We got
1: jockey. this. There it is. David You've didn't. got all of the small athletic fields covered between the <laughs> two of you. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yes. So what happened after you get out of Louisiana school? Uh, where do you go?
3: Yeah. Everyone kept saying, what college are you going to go to? <laughs> You're like, I, I kept been saying, one I don't know. I don't know. I'll apply to some. Sure.
1: One that lets me be uh, uh, <laughs> a person who one, studies all of the things? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody one wants that to says, let you yes, that. we accept you, oh. so
3: you guys don't get <laughs> off my back. <laughs> And then I got accepted to Columbia College, Chicago. Okay. And I almost went there for studio art. However, after orientation, I realized that I wanted to do more collaborative artwork. So I took I took that semester off. Because so my mom, thank God, she actually said, you don't have to go to school right now. I was like, really?
1: If you need to figure it out and put it all into place. Yeah. She was, she was, uh, she was a supporter supportive. for that.
3: So... Um after some time I decided to study theater design at the same school Columbia Nice Yeah Uh
1: did you have any particular like instructors or uh teachers there that you were like this is the person that I'm going to sort of mentor and model. Like Jake and I have talked a lot about Mm -hmm. his father was that for me in some ways, more than his dad though. Truthfully, there was another professor I had during my time at Louisiana tech, uh, Scott Gilbert. That was sort of my guy. You know, he was the acting Mm -hmm. teacher. He was the directing teacher. Those were my focuses. And, and I liked his personality. We got along well or whatever. So that was sort of my guy. Mm -hmm. I I kind of aligned with him, wanted to take all the classes. Who, Who were the teachers that were like that at Columbia?
3: Keith Pitts. Scenic designer, brilliant man, uh, Jackie Penrod, another scenic designer and painter, she's fantastic, and Mick Thomason, who is our scenic, uh, our shop foreman, and yeah, and so many others. Mick and Mike, oh, Mike, ah. I don't know what to say about them because it's not like you know them. No, they're they're just all brilliant people.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so. You you come out of there and you are on fire to do what? I was totally
3: on fire to do uh, set design. Set design, specifically Chicago. I was living in Chicago, like wheeling and dealing, getting internships here, picking up gigs, like assistant set designing. And sometimes I was getting paid. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, and, uh, it's and, the ever-growing struggle, dude.
1: <laughs> for people, for people that don't know that Chicago has a—I mean, it's the—they call it the second city for a lot of reasons—and it, it's, it's got a very—it's got a thriving theater scene. Hopping. There are yes. lots of shows yeah. going on at lots of different levels of oh, production yeah. value. So, oh, like yeah. for a young actor, that's another one of the like—it's not just New York or L.A. There are lots of places to go. It's Chicago being one of those prime ones. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it's family there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so did you find success mm-hmm. there? Did you find a uh, a foothold for your burgeoning uh, design career?
3: Mm-hmm. See, this is where the shift happened. Um So
1: on the path to superstardom as a as a scenic designer, mm-hmm. you got sidetracked into
3: into wanting to also be a human. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is
1: hard to be a
3: real human. Being. A
1: full-time theater practitioner uh, that is actively chasing not just um steady work but ascending work if you if you say what i will be is an actor or a director or a scenic designer or a lighting technician or whatever it is in in the theater and you want to not only work all the time and pay your bills but you want to work at a better job this time than the last contract and the next contract higher and i want to get my union card and i want to do this and i want to do that and i want to get the big contracts and i want the long-term gigs
3: i've already tuned out well, I'm just saying, yeah, <laughs> right,
1: like it is a struggle yeah. you can't there is no room mm-hmm. for anything else, yeah and and I mean it is a very you have to be not only do you have to be extraordinarily lucky and hit at the right time and have the right look, et cetera et cetera, but you also have to be incredibly diligent about it and focused you have to be singularly a, focused a
2: really specific type of individual, man, like I have so many friends who. I feel like play the machine really, really well and who have that kind of skill set to play that machine really, really well. It's not something that I'm particularly interested in. I'm much more interested in the theater game, the arts game, Mm -hmm. which is like one of the big parts of the discussion that we've been having, Mm -hmm. our, our ongoing discussion, me and Alex. Um, So and that, I was going to say, and that leads us to where we are
1: today, becoming a human being. (laughs) That's
2: (laughs) a really good, yeah, that's a good way to say it. Jake, not
1: just an artist, (laughs) but a human being. Jake talked about in our first conversation about the in the middle of his hustling and finding the different ways that he can both pursue his art and pay the bills. Mm -hmm. He's also been finding ways to to feed himself through a lot of service projects he's involved with a ton of uh, you know nonprofit organizations and things like that you had a couple in particular that you mentioned in the Atlanta area that yeah. you've been working with recently and and that was sort of the area that he got focused in and and the concept that he brought up there was this it's like again, He didn't use those words, but it was very much, hey, I'm trying to be a four-quarter human being. I've got my career over here, and I got my art here, and sometimes those intersect. And I've Mm -hmm. got, you know, like my friends or my relationships here, and I've got to maintain those. But over here, like, there's this other thing missing. Some people find that in a church, I think. Mm -hmm. Some people find that in, uh, like, Mm -hmm. becoming overly devoted to a, I say not overly in a bad way, but I mean, like obsessively almost devoted to yeah. a nonprofit organization. Hey, I am going to be sold out to Susan G Komen. I'm going to be sold out to whatever, but I think it's interesting. And, and you guys aren't the only ones that I've seen do this. There seem to be a whole generation of you guys, a little bit younger than me. Truthfully, it's not really my generation. It's your generation of artists that are like, well, I'm never going to be rich. <laughs> so, so why can't I be happy and be fulfilled in my art creatively and also like leave a mark like like instead of leaving the world with a dirty spot let's leave it with a
2: cleaner spot you know where i was well i think our dialogue is about to be important in a way maybe i think the dialogue of the artist is really important to try to get to the next stage of things uh and that's totally me speaking as a 24 year old just looking at the world man but like i was what i heard was if we ever want to become star children (laughs) <laughs> then you you Yo, gotta I could make then you, start, you gotta start children, then you
1: gotta start letting me play bongos naked <laughs> alex yeah Alexandria,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you're not asking us to play bongos naked are you that's not what this pitch is about
3: i mean if you if you like want to play the box okay all right I'm not there's gonna room for dad. bongos okay yeah all right there's so space in this room
1: talk sure. to me talk to me about where that that path, that, hey, I want to be a human being too. Yeah, I like this art and I love this art and it's part of me and it is me mm-hmm. but there's more to there's, me and yeah. where did that lead you? where What are you doing now?
3: So much.
1: So much, exactly. So
3: much deeper um, the rabbit hole goes. Turns out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate what you said about leaving a leaving a clean spot, not a dirty spot. And for me, the transition led me further into art and creation, and exploring what it is what what is it to just create? What is that power that we human beings have? And um, one project I worked on was in New Orleans called Recall the Wetlands, and it was centered around bringing attention to an environmental crisis. That was the wetlands loss down there around the Gulf Coast. And what we did, we um, we had a center stage that was surrounded by plants. <laughs> I really like plants. And because they bring us home, they're little reminders of where we're from. And um, hmm. anyway, that's how I feel about it.
1: I, so, and uh, you did bring a plant into the studio with you. There's a, pl- there a plant in the foyer of our radio station. There are not plants <laughs> in this recording studio generally. But you were like, can I bring this with us? Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, you can. And so here it is on the floor. Why? I
3: believe this is Gerald. This,
1: it's, this <laughs> is has Gerald. He
3: name. Just told me. Uh,
1: oh. I think there's something to that. I think there's something to that. The the, the idea that plants bring us home Um. Do you think that that is – here's something I think about a lot. And this is going to maybe take a tangent or maybe be awesome. And if it's a tangent, that's the beauty of editing. If it's awesome, then this will, I'll be glad I asked this. Something I think about a lot is the fact that long term, if the human race wants to continue as a species, we will eventually have to leave this planet. This planet at some point – and this is a infinite time scale, right we're talking about hundreds of millions of years, I believe right but the the sun will die at some point, and this planet will no longer be habitable, even if we can get a rain on our excessive use and and contamination of it in a in a future in which the human race has left earth, what will make us different than other races what 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 is what continues to make us human when we can't have the plant to bring us home? I mean, I'm assuming we build an ark and we take lots of plants with us, but I mean, the soil. You know what I mean? The what? What like makes if us? If we were
3: ever separated from Earth, yes, w- would we still? What, be... what makes
1: us Earthlings without an Earth?
3: I, I think we need Earth.
1: Yeah. So I mean, we what may is we need
3: Earth to be Earthlings?
1: So you think we? Uh...
3: We, I think we would be something else. In this
1: theoretical future, we're, we're in evolution of uh-huh. the species almost because of our disconnection from the place from
2: which we sprang.
3: One could argue that.
2: I think we would have to be something else. Right. I like, I like what you were talking about uh, earlier about, like, going back to talking about your installation art, mm-hmm. um, the idea of creating installation art where we are the actors, you know, mm. we come in and experience it. And I think you are right. I think to be maybe not to be human, but to be earthlings, we need earth. I think to be human is something, com, something else entirely, you know, but to be earthlings, to be what we are, we need to be where we are, I think.
3: I can get down with that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Get down. So yeah. while we are where we are, mm-hmm. how are you
1: making it a better place, Alexandria?
3: Every day, <laughs> I do something magnificent. Just walk up in the room and it's <laughs> awesome. Like today, I just brought a plant inside of a recording studio. You
1: did. You did make the recording studio a lot better. Generally, you know, people bring Funyuns. <laughs> they bring, uh, they bring uh, you know, like shoes with dog poop on them, things mm-hmm. like that. Like nobody oh. brings a plant. No one brings a plant to the radio station.
3: Well... There, here it is, and here we are. <laughs> and it's like it's like this, too. We define ourselves so much by our projects and what we do in our careers and all of this that sometimes we miss the fact that every day and every moment we have an opportunity to do something. To do something. Uh, Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I'm trying to say? Yes. Here?
1: Yeah, I, I, I do. And here's – let me be the um, – let me be the grumpy old man mm-hmm. uh, chasing the kids off my lawn for a second, at least in theory let me be let me be that guy theoretically. How is that different that idea, and I sort of agree with you, and I hear where you're coming from, and I feel it in myself sometimes too. but how is that different than what a lot of people on the art the outside of art uh look at you guys and say Ugh, To just be in like that's all it's affectation, right? Like that's (laughs) you. That's you wearing two different shoes, (laughs) and you you haven't washed your hair in four days, and you don't shave your armpits, and nobody's wearing deodorant anymore, and "Mm, yeah, I'm mm, I'm earthy, mm." artsy, fartsy, and and any one of those things like you can make a rational argument and you can explain to me why you're anti anti anti-perspirant, for instance. I got all freaked out the other other day about the aluminum. I said, I read a new thing thing and I'm like, maybe maybe I need to make a transition. (laughs) You can talk to me about why you don't wash your hair every day and you make a logical argument and I'm like, okay, I hear that. You can talk to me about why I wear the two different shoes well it reminds me that you know uh you got to walk a mile in the other guy's shoes or blah 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 whatever and that makes sense too and I'm down with it but the combination you add up all the things and all of a sudden you're an outsider why why is that you being true to yourself and your art form as opposed to saying oh I will stand apart from everybody else for attention where's the line
3: Oh, like attention versus follow Yeah. The kind yeah well, of the, the why? Path.
1: Why are you not a poser oh. as a par, as a, as opposed to a practitioner? I guess is the question. I'm not calling you a poser. I'm playing devil's advocate and saying, why are you right. allowing you to explain yourself? I guess. Mm. Right.
3: Yeah. I can I can understand that. Um, I Which, say by the way, I
1: didn't mean to imply that you didn't don't have your armpits. Sha- I don't know whether your armpits no. are shaved or not. You have clothes on. I don't know whether you're wearing no, deodorant or not. I I was just listing. A a list of things that artsy-fartsy people do. I don't have clothes on.
3: (laughs) Just from the bottom down.
2: You're at a desk. It's fine. Everybody's dressed. Well, it's like this. My wife listens to this show. Oh, sorry. (laughs)
3: It's like this. Um, Yes, there are lists of attributes that certain types of people have been given. And I find myself – I know that I myself – am an artist and that I'm walking this path as truthfully as I can because day to day I make decisions as honestly as I can so when I come to the conclusion that I'm not going to wear shoes anymore man that's because I've walked barefoot and it is fantastic
1: and it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that
3: I'm not trying to be something uh, a group on Facebook
1: started going without without shoes or something that was yeah, yeah 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 no I gotcha
3: I so I mean that's that's my answer right now, but we can dig deeper.
1: Well, I was I was just trying to think about like like what's what is the next level there? And mm-hmm. I'm I'm sort of at a loss there. I here's here's the thing that I want to here's here's the direction I want to go now because you guys are young artists mm-hmm. and and one of the conversations that the two of you have been having off the air is about the future of not only your art forms but just art in general. And again, we're talking about long-term less long term than the heat death of the of the planet but
2: let's hope so <laughs>
1: let's talk about the rise this is a fact that my boss and I were discussing this morning this is business for a second the rise of china okay okay in less than 5 years no excuse me less than 10 years in less than 10 years their middle class will comprise 54% of their population
0: mm-hmm.
1: now wow. Th- yeah wow right <laughs> right Insane, and when you when you just and I mean I don't know exactly what their population number is, but I know it dwarfs ours. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about fifty four percent of their population with a middle class standard of living, which means disposable income, which means entertainment income, which means all sorts of things. I mean, I'm in media. I do radio for a living. I think about TV. I think about broadcast media and the way that they're shifting and the way that, the, for instance, the cable um, monopoly is breaking up and how people are going to be able to go a la carte on their entertainment packages. And while that might be a good thing for the consumer in the short term, mm-hmm. what I think of is the fact that it's going to break up the gravy train of TV money and uh, both – all of these networks that are spending all the dollars that they have now because of the way that the cable payments have been set up is going to change and at least in the short term i think a lot of um a lot of tv production is going to slow down i think there'll be a ripple though into every different art form that you can imagine because it's all when we think about it it, it, it comes down to two things it's either government grants of some sort uh, as a as a public good or it's entertainment money that you're getting Mm -hmm. from people in one way or another Mm -hmm. some form of the some uh uh, uh, version of the population says i I enjoy this and i want to support you as the artist for doing it so that it's there for me the next time that i want it so i'm going to give you some of my entertainment dollar transaction i think for all art forms it's going to become increasingly important that we think globally that we don't you don't pitch your art in your neighborhood although you're doing your art in your neighborhood but you have to think for every project about how this art can be reverberated how this thing
2: that i'm doing can be shared globally Do, are you guys oh, thinking at think all, all right. in I that way every day. yeah i think about that every day but i think i think the exact opposite of that like i think how you have to take the global and make it local right because art is inherently uh, the experience of the person the experience of the viewer and so i think in the fact like I'm very interested in art with small audiences because I think it's a better way to get to people, you know? Mm. And I think, yeah, I totally think that the audience is going to shift and like our communication and our dialogue about things is going to shift because we have so many new influences coming in. But I think like the art or at least a subset of it, I don't know, the art that I'm interested Mm -hmm. is going to shrink a little bit. And I think that's going to be more sought. You know well but but when I say Maybe. globalization the
1: reason why I, what I'm saying is you, okay so you you're chasing poi like totally. that is the this that is as a, a meditation kind of thing well as a yeah. meditation but but it is it is a a new branch of your thinking physical art form that you have found, boy, I, boy, I like to live here. I like this, yeah. okay, and that. I like chasing it. I like to contemplate it and where I could take it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. I'm saying in a world where 54% of the Chinese population has money to spend on a Netflix account and uh, a night out at uh, you know the movies and Burger King and uh, on a you know a Sony-branded hoverboard and all the other things that they're going to make it, and an Apple Watch and all the other yeah. things that they're going to make and sell and buy, I'm I'm saying you could make a full-time living pitching to the, the the less than 1% of 1% of 1% of the population of the whole world that just wants to watch poi videos. You can make a living just pitching to them. Absolutely. Because you'd be doing it all over the globe. So, so –
2: to a me, boy spinner, I'd be you don't right have to that. go anywhere. Yeah. I'm saying you
1: build a YouTube <laughs> studio, you do it from your living room. It's 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 ad sales and it's merchandising and it's and home it's videos and training manuals all. and all of those yeah. and all of that stuff. Can happen because there's two guys in Washington that dig it, and there's a guy in Florida, and there's a guy in Bangkok, and there's a guy Are you in speaking Nepal. About the,
3: the largeness of the middle class right now.
1: I'm not ju- like not specifically the well. I mean the middle class because, because the middle class have. is where the money is. To me, the middle right. class is where the money is to support whatever right. art form it is. But here, I think about it for me. I think about it for me. I can go as niche as I want to. I can do the very truest expression of the thing that is for me. And the fact that I can now reach anyone anywhere with that product and the fact that increasingly and in the future even more so, the vast majority of those anyones even have the money to uh, return something to me for it, suddenly the specificity of your art form doesn't, necess- doesn't necessitate it being a non-paying art form, like a
2: side hobby or a meditation. It can be yeah. the thing you do. Here's the thing though, is I think, and this is something that I think that me and Alex are kind of in agreement on possibly, is that our product can't be sent all over the world. Mm. You, you mm-hmm. must be present. You must be an actor in part of our process. Mm. Like to send it over YouTube is not to send the thing, you know, uh, when I spin poi or when I fight on stage or when I get a chance to really choreograph something that's beautiful, it's never the same when it's on video. It's never the same. You must be a participant mm-hmm. in the process.
3: Participation yeah. is essential.
2: That's, that's, I think, the thing that's been really driving us is how to get people to yeah. participate, maybe.
3: Right. And that's, that's how I got pulled to installation art was mm-hmm. because how do we enable people People to become the participants, mm-hmm. and the interactors, and the actors, like they are on stage.
1: So, how do you do that? That's the question. That's <laughs> well, what the art is. Your dad yes, and I. Is, you're, yeah. you're, you're, I mean, your dad and I did that or tried to do that this mm-hmm. summer. Uh, you know, we had with, we've had three, three events program. exactly. Awesome. We had we've had three events so far, and it's the theatrical equivalent of an open mic. You know, we put the, we threw the hat out there. We started with the faculty members, but it's extended to some students and, and the community in general. Like, hey, you got a thing and you want to show it and you want to come do this thing and you want to play with us? We want to play. We mm-hmm. want to spend some time this summer
2: playing with one another. I, I got an uncle
1: that's got a barn. Let's put on
2: a show. Yeah. You know? I think there's something about it. There's this really great quote that I found, and I hate that I can't remember who said it, but it says that... American theater is all about the actor telling you a story about them. And Vietnamese theater is all about us telling a story about each other. Hmm. And I think that's how you get people to participate, is how do you find a story that people want to participate in? How do hmm. you create an us from me and you? You mm-hmm. know, Or how do you create the story of us more than anything? I think that's the big question for right. me.
3: Right, right, yeah, because it's like a uh, coming together. Of all these different pieces, it's like electricity when when people come together and to create something in this forum, I mean it could be it can look like a lot of different things mm-hmm. But when people come together and they are creating, that's why I was like speaking about creation. It's like the power that we have as as people when they create something new that has not ever been created it's an experience and one has to be present to experience it
2: and I think Hmm. we're both trying to speak from places of like actual experience Uh, like I don't want to I don't want to just talk as like a young person speaking in like these like nebulous concepts with no experience in what they actually are I'm trying to speak in terms of like what I've actually seen from audiences mm-hmm. and what I've actually seen from actors and audiences being together, you know
0: so let
1: me guys ask you about two specific examples of things that I think are right on the border of what you're talking about, but are both very commercial in their own way too. So what do you think of Alexandria the way you were just describing it? I just I kept thinking, oh, it's a flash mob is what she's describing. What do you, what do you think of these these people that do the flash mobs? They're all of a sudden they're in you know Grand Central Station and they're doing a unified dance. Hmm. It's 45 people that have uh, set up routines through YouTube videos and things like that and they have now come together at the appointed time and they've taken over. You've seen these videos, right? You I've know what I'm talking the about? have seen videos. I've never What do you been think there. about that? Have you have you is that installation art?
3: I guess it could be considered. <laughs> such. I
1: mean, some of it's not good necessarily. It's, maybe, but, I but guess that one isn't.
3: would say performance art. Um, mm, I mean, I would love to be there for one for sure.
1: I've never been present for one either, uh, um, Jake.
3: But I like them because they do something. They stop the routine. Uh, and, they do that. You know, and the people who are there, it. it Here's my trajectory. Like, here's my path, which I take daily. And I know where my destination is and I know how I'm going to get there. But then all of a sudden, like, this curveball gets thrown at you and you have to stop because someone is dancing in front of you.
1: <laughs> it's, it, it's It would be like, to me, it is very much like, and I use this to, uh, example to describe a flash mob to someone else once upon a time. It's, it's like if you were in the station from Harry Potter and suddenly you fall through nine and three quarters and you're on the other, you're like, this isn't supposed to exist. Like (laughs) this normal place that I am in suddenly is very magical and different and strange and new, you know. Um, Oh,
3: that's nice.
1: What do you think, Jake, about an event like these, uh, the Walking Dead live events where you have like a it's it's effectively like a modern take on the haunted house except there are actors playing roles and you as the audience member are actually in the event you know what i'm talking about oh, you've seen these things right where no, you're like with
2: walking dead oh they yeah.
1: have a bunch of their branded events like the walking dead came they came to new orleans they they, they went to chicago they went That's to new york awesome. they went all over yeah there's a there's a like a walking dead tour And uh, they put up and, you know, they build their sets. They Mm -hmm. bring in the actors and everything. They set the whole thing up, and then the audience goes through it, as you would at a corn maze or a haunted house. Except it's... Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah, it's Walking Dead printed. To me, (laughs) like that or the... Well, you and I even talked about this, the Marvel Universe Live, their live arena show that uh, I took my kids to see in January, okay? So it's like... Think Disney on Ice, except there's no ice, and instead of Disney
2: characters, it's superheroes, it's motorcycles, and explosions. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, and there are there were motorcycle exactly stunts. There's a
1: lot of fights. There's some minor pyrotechnics, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, and the good guys win in the end. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh damn.
0: But
1: to me, now that's a very commercialized, obviously, yeah. and like, and you, it, it, whatever uh, artistic thing you would do with the money, it would be it would be more artistic. It would be mm-hmm. a more personal story, perhaps. But to me that's in the same vein Like I agree. that is and and not only is that in the same vein but that commercial has jumped out ahead mm-hmm. of most of the mainstream theater world in their level of interaction in their level of bringing in the audience in their that's level the of thing. using multimedia
2: yo dude that's totally totally mm-hmm. the thing man uh like sleep no more in new york has been long standing up there getting people involved in the show like it it was insane and like it it's not that Yes, they were cutting edge and they were doing something new, but it's not something that hasn't been there before. It's just how we're using it. And it's what the people want, you know? It's all art has existed in some capacity. It's just about what we need at the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think we need to be interacting with our art a little bit more strongly, you know? I think that's why this is kind of cool. I think, that's, mm-hmm. I think the Walking Dead idea is really, really interesting. You know I think the idea that you get to come in and be an actor and be a participant, not just in the story happening, but in the story's creation, is what people want, you know. They don't want to be voyeurs. they want to be creators. It makes me wonder uh, <laughs> I, I think you know it makes me wonder like if there's not something,
1: yeah. something to pull on that string in the outdoor drama world. Yeah, okay. Oh, I got a I lot know. to say about outdoor there's, drama, there's about a, being like True Connection. There's a, there's, a settlers, there's a settlers and natives story to be told in an in in audience works,
2: interaction Yo, it's, fashion. It's happening, man. We've, we've been talking about it. There are a couple of really great locations to do something like that. I think that's another interesting way because I think more so than story creation, I think people are also really interested in creating history again. They want to go back and recreate and understand where we came from. You know, God,
3: Yes. Like so much, so it's burning.
2: It is. It is for me. You know,
3: mm-hmm. especially in this country.
1: So, uh, Alexandria, how are you? And we, we talked a little bit about on Jake's side how he's t- trying to bring in some of that interaction, some of the ideas there, how other people in theater are doing it. Where does the interaction? Where does the agency giving the mm. giving the viewer giving the patron of your art? Agency, how does that come into it for you? Like, not only are they taking it in, but they are,
3: like, what is the thing
1: responding that, in some way, what or is that, in, what is in that in thing that connects them to it? Yes, yes. How are the they? Agency. How are they mm-hmm. becoming
2: human through your art? Moving from vicarious experience to true experience. Hmm. Hmm.
3: Well, I guess it happens in different ways. Um, what. What I have been looking into and playing around with with some other friends of mine, other artist friends, uh, is particularly how to bring the how to bring the sacred and the healing essence of art into it. So we have been doing a lot of meditation with our interactive art, and also trying to use sound in various ways, like sound as a medium. And how a a participant, an audience member, can interact with sound and change their environment. So here's one. This was like the first collaborative installation piece that I worked on was with Imago Collective. Um, We did a project for Electric Forest in Michigan, and it was essentially a three-dimensional brain that was suspended from the trees above. A, above a station that had a scanner and everyone who was at the festival had a wristband with a little chip inside of it and all the codes were different so everyone had a unique code.
2: That's cool. <laughs>
3: and when they scanned the wristband over the scanner we had four projectors hitting this brain so it was like a giant projection screen. Hmm. And it through the, through computer and algorithm things that I don't entirely understand. <laughs> it generated a visual show on this brain that was unique for every single person.
1: Oh, that's cool! Like a little, like a almost like an iTunes visualization you'd see sure. with the music or something. Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. And the most fascinating part of this experience was actually seeing people use it, understand it, and then tell other people what was happening.
1: That's neat. Yeah. are yeah, like, oh, come see yours. What does yours look like? Oh, yours looks like mine a little bit. It's still, But, oh, it's mm-hmm. got a trill like, at the end that mine like, didn't have.
3: Do yours and see what happens. That's neat. And, yeah, and all of a sudden there's, like, a, a point in the forest um, where people are gathering and they're huh. laying on the ground, they're laying in hammocks, and they're looking at this brain. And they're saying, like, what's the next person's show going to be about, you know?
1: That's uh, That's really interesting. And it ties into... Something your father said at the end of his first episode here, too. He talked about the fact that, you know, everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a voice, and that voice deserves to be heard. And this is true in society. It's true in an artistic fashion, though, too. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a song that only they can sing, you know. Absolutely. And, and any time you have someone who... uh goes through life and, and misses that opportunity to have their song sung, even if only a few people ever hear it. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking metaphorically here, of course, about the singing. But that's incredibly sad when somebody misses out on the opportunity, when we miss out on the mm-hmm. opportunity to hear somebody's song. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, – Damn, that is so – You talked yeah. about – heavy. That's a heavy thought, <laughs> Yeah. <I feel> <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's – uh, what, what's the quote about – every death diminishes me mm-hmm. um i can't remember where that comes from but the but the, that's that's what i feel like the uh, quoteur was getting at you know it's not the the human life is is of course very important but it's the things that the human can accomplish for the rest of the humans you know that is the thing that is so tragic when we lose one of us and you can think about that in an artistic way but everything you do is art like the Oh true here and I, I don't try to I don't talk about my religion very much on the show at all But for me, and you've sort of circled around it a little bit, this is all a very, very religious concept. It is a very sacred idea, the Mm -hmm. idea of creation. I've I've been listening a lot lately to Rob Bell. Are you guys familiar? He's Mm -hmm. a pastor. He was a pastor of a megachurch, wrote a book recently called Love Wins. It was very controversial. Um, he effectively gave up on the idea of hell. That's pretty much what it amounts to. Dig it, right <laughs> yeah. On. Hey. So, right, oh boy. <laughs> so, so, but I've been listening to a lot of Rob Bell lately, and he had on um, Elizabeth Gilbert, the author. She wrote um, Eat, Pray, Love, among other books. She's got a new book coming out called Big Magic, and she talks a tremendous amount about creativity. Mm-hmm. But Rob made the the point that. You know, the interesting thing about the Genesis story in particular, the interesting thing about the Hebrew tradition and therefore the Christian tradition is that for the first time there was a God and a creation myth or a creation story that did not involve mm-hmm. violence and um, destruction. It instead involved life and creation and a God that created out of joy, out of happiness and, and, and um, a desire to create. This God wanted to make and he enjoyed making and he enjoyed making so much that he made people uh-huh. to help him make Aww. and and that I would that, be
2: interested to explore that concept right yeah. that that creative very, yeah. that
1: creative thing that and, and you can call it the, you know the the breath of life as the as the genesis story tells it god breathed into the nostrils of the man and there he was to me that is the thing that ties us all together as humans and it is that we make you know, uh, Joe Rogan says
2: what man is is a monkey that makes things. Truth. <clears throat> but even that's not right anymore. Orangutans make weapons. Right. Like, we know but, that. But, <laughs> we make, but the, <laughs> we're the
1: monkey that makes things, and then we make the thing to make more things. And we make the yep. thing to make the thing better. And we make the thing to make the next thing. And that we're is amazing. the entire human yeah. history is building upon it. So whenever any link in the chain is lost, whenever one song doesn't get sung, and we miss that opportunity to get the thing that only they were going to make to add to the chain, then we're all diminished because of it. And it's exponential.
2: Yo. Right? Yes. But what if that is the thing? What if that is the thing that everybody keeps harping about in terms – like I always hate it when people talk about like how we're so disconnected with our phones and our computers and everything. I hate that discussion because it's been rehashed so many times. Hmm. But what if that's it? What if the reason that the discussion keeps getting rehashed is that – by having everything provided we don't get to create anymore.
1: Oh, I think it's I think it's definitely a possibility. I I don't think the human Maybe, species as a whole will it, jump off yeah. the train. I yeah. think what happens is that large pockets of us uh-huh. just like for most of human history, we've uh, handicapped ourselves by making half the population not count, like we weren't having women right. pull along with us yeah. as equals, so we were we were it's literally I mean I Every time I think about it, it makes me mad. I'm like, for all of human history, we were walking around with one arm tied behind our back. What's wrong with us? Like, what's wrong with us as a species that we would handicap ourselves so bad by the strangling patriarchy that we have lived under
2: in all True. of human history. Yeah.
1: But never mind that. Never mind that. <laughs> even today, though. I mean, <laughs> never mind that. But <laughs> You've got pockets of society. I think there would be some people that would agree with you. You've got pockets of society that have devolved into nothing but consumption. No creation whatsoever. I would argue that even they, in, and I think Joe Rogan makes the same argument, too. He says they are creating by being part of the consumption machine that fuels the rapid pace of of creation that we currently have, if you think about the, it's
3: destruction too.
1: It is it destruction. Is. You're right. Maybe but, that's what
2: it is. I don't want to condemn anybody to destruction. I don't want to condemn anyone <laughs> what, to consumerism. What it is is what it is is it's. <laughs> you no, know, what we
1: need to do though, what we need to do is the big thinkers. Mm-hmm. We we, need, we because there will always be there will always be takers and givers and makers and and consumers, I think. There will always be. There will always be members of the tribe that don't want to pull as hard as some others, that aren't inspired, that don't have that spark for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And so I'm saying rather than try to rail completely against that idea and say, no, 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 we must all be makers, I think the idea should be to help streamline our systems and to help streamline our industries and by that I mean force them sometimes into stricter regulation where necessary and to make sure that we are pulling in positive directions. That the that the consumer machine is not one that is um eating its own tail. Hmm. But that is but that is true that is driving us like a rocket ship in the direction that we need to go. Like I we
3: lightly disagree. Lightly
1: disagree. <laughs> Alright, so we gotta we gotta tear it down. <laughs>
3: It's, That's okay. I'm not disagreeing this, with you. It's it's this trying to make a system that works. <laughs> that is what does not work.
2: Like systems in totality, or like because like hey, she's the some, one that brought the
1: plant into the studio. I yeah, think like, we know where, where she stands. About, as
2: somebody who's a fan of ecosystems, like I gotta wonder about why why is it that because human how, systems how, are a problem.
3: How can you say? How can one person say this is where we should be going?
1: Well but, but I don't I don't think that there would be a
3: no, that's something that we can't agree on because we don't know <laughs> where we're going or what we should or should not be doing that those are just our ideas about the future. I mean, I guess that's what we're talking about.
1: No, that's no very much so. No, you're you're you're, <laughs> you're spot on. But okay, so the question then becomes take that to its logical conclusion. Does that mean that we should not we should um slow our pace of research into for instance um biogenetics should we stop uh should we stop chasing down the idea of perhaps being able to toy with our genome should we stop worrying about um researching and uh, uh What's the word? Testing and and, and toying with, you know, uh, human embryo cells and things like that. The
3: more important question is to slow down in order to understand the intention behind Mm. that research and those actions and what we're getting ourselves into. What what is the reasoning? What's the drive behind that? Is it progress? Is it so we can fix our own problems I mean, do we really think that the minds that created the mess we're in now can really find solutions in the same way to those problems?
2: So what – Oh, that's a really interesting idea. That is a like, good like, question. I, I will lightly disagree with that. I think that – I don't know. I think if – Maybe sometimes the people who got us into it might be uniquely qualified <laughs> uh, with a sense of understanding of the situation. That's, that, sounds like, that, sounds like the, that sounds like the kind of logic that
1: allowed Tony Stark to uh, both create uh, the bad guy and the guy that saved them <laughs> in Avengers Age of Ultron.
2: Spoiler warning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh...
1: I'm going to create Ultron with an AI program. Oh, and then I'm going to create the Vision with an AI program because it worked so well the last time. I'm going to agree with that. (laughs) I I will say this, though. And see, I sort of agree with you. I think that the question I was going to – or the the summation I was going to make to you was that it seems to me like you're saying, okay, we should – We should walk slowly because what we want to do is we want to have the next industrial revolution, whatever that means. We want that uh, progress, that boom, that explosion in human capability. What we don't want is the destructive... Um, pattern and zone that came with it. Uh, If you think about all the ecological damage, if you think about all the human rights violations that happened in and around the Industrial Revolution while humanity struggled to catch up with what we were capable of doing before we figured out what we should do with that capability. Same thing with the nuclear bomb. We created the nuclear bomb Mm -hmm. and and then we blew it up before we even began to comprehend whether or not that's a thing that anyone should ever do. Like, we just right. did it, and then we were like, ah, do it again! And then we are like, now wait a minute, let's put that back in the bottle, because that was mm. really nasty. And thankfully, humanity hasn't gone there again. But we could. Not yet. You're right, not yet. And you're saying, we're going to stumble into whatever the next nuclear bomb is. Maybe it's a genetic nuclear bomb, some sort of, we we toy a little too far, we run mm. too fast, not understanding the implications of what we're doing. And and that, And that. I go keep going back to genetics, because that's something that I read up on, on occasionally. But mm. this goes for... I'm saying for economic advancement you want to slow it down a little bit for uh, um, I've trying I don't want to put words in your mouth I'm trying to put a finer point on I think one of what the you things, were saying yeah about. we
2: came up with a phrase that we really liked uh, process is progress um, I think mm. progress like mm. you you were saying something really cool like I like the idea that you said that progress is something that is weighted it's
3: mm.
2: that I think that Starts to delve into the idea of like negative intention or uh, or misunderstood intention
3: or lack of intention, just doing for the sake of getting ahead, whatever that means, or surviving,
2: or doing for the sake of a process of understanding, you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to like uh, a process of product. I don't know, hmm. maybe. Yeah, and, and we
3: were also just dis- describing like. How similar the words are process and progress. Um, You were getting into this earlier. Do you recall?
2: Nope, absolutely not.
3: All right. Well, our argument is that through the process of creating, we can progress.
2: Which is more about the idea that, like, I I don't know. I really like this. I, I really like this discussion the idea of, like, systems and moving in a way and. A singular direction determined by someone, I think, doesn't mean that the system is flawed because I think that system, in a way, can still be led by the people, you know? Or, like, as long – I mean, ultimately, like, if you think about it in terms of, like, the grandiose kind of, like, human endeavor, I suppose – I don't know. I think I fell off this idea.
1: No, I. Yeah. I, I think I know where you're going. You know, the, the your knock against it was, well, who does who decides what direction the human race is going in? And I think we do. We do collectively. We and to me, what that means is that but we hush. need we need your voice. We need your voice saying we have to slow down. This is too fast, and we need your voice saying go ahead, man, like burn it at both ends. And we need all of those voices on both ends. And we need everybody to be active and involved in the process. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. We
1: also, and here's the very, very key, and this is where I think this is the next place I'd sort of like to take Mm -hmm. it because this is, uh, with four young kids at home, this is the thing that I think about more than anything, more about the heat death of the universe, more than uh, than the rise of the Chinese middle class. I I think about our education systems. Yeah. All right. yeah. We were talking at dinner tonight. I'm, I'm 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 at a I'm at a table full of young parents tonight mm-hmm. and uh, for dinner and we talked about the fact that we all want our kids back in school. This is the middle of July right now in Louisiana. It's very hot, it's very terrible, and our children are all home and they've been home for too long. And it's time for them to all go back to school now. I brought up the idea of moving to I think <laughs> maybe it 's maybe I will miss it with all of my kids, maybe mm-hmm. it'll be after they 're all out of school, but I think in the next ten years or so, I think we will have a drastically different education system and one of the big changes I think is it 's going to go to year round I think they 'll go to much closer to the college system where you 're off maybe a three weeks at a time, four months at a time, several times throughout the year, yeah, and then you don 't have this this big long break. Europe is already doing it this way, et cetera, et cetera.
3: Well, that'll solve our problems. <laughs> well, but
1: it, look, it won't solve all of our problems, but here's here's the real core that I'm getting to. Okay. If we want people involved and active in the process, if we want people helping, mm-hmm. all of the people helping to make the decisions upon where the human race is going, you got to have an educated populace.
2: Yes, right? I agree with that. You have
1: to have, and not just some of us, not a couple that, are, that want to be. You have every Tom, Do, Tom Dick, Joe, Harry, Jane, Vanessa, all them. William, right. all of them, everybody, all of them, everybody, Jamal, uh, uh, Jose, they all have to be, I don't know, I was trying to be diverse for a second, everybody, we've all got to be educated, and and educated to the level that we can disagree, but we can converse we can converse and we can talk about things. We can talk about what it means to experiment with uh, human embryos. We can talk about what it means to change the way our industries function, to change our dependency on uh, fossil fuels. We can talk th- simple things like you I look think... at the Lego company with, the, with their plan to move completely away from plastic, mm-hmm. huh. ABS. This, I think this is fascinating. It's, <laughs> it's like long term. It's like 2020, 2025, something like that. Mm-hmm. But they make like 50 billion blocks a year. I mean, it's a massive amount of plastic, and they're going to get completely away from it. And and use something that is renewable, something that is much less effective, uh, much less affecting to the Earth and our environment. And I'm like, right. kudos, look at that. True. I see the the gigafactory going up out in the desert for Tesla, and the fact that they're going to support such a massive new influx of mm-hmm. electric vehicles and electric uh, um, uh, use in our power grids, and the fact that they, you know, they've got these new batteries you can buy, you can hang on your wall at home. But none of that helps, Dope. if Joe and Jane don't get it and they don't understand the words that the newsman says at the end of the
2: evening, you know whether that's coming on their tablet or their radio or their TV. Well, yo, I think it's important that the newsman is saying words that are worth hearing uh, that's that's First true too, but that's a different discussion.
1: that's true um, too so what i'm asking, what I'm saying is this: Your father obviously is in education, yes
2: arts education
1: but but still you guys as young artists well i mean you're he's educating artists <laughs> but you guys as young artists do you do either one of you already have educational projects that you're working on is this oh, an area yeah. that you want to focus yeah. on in the future like totally. do you see an avenue where you can do more along that lines. What do you need? Do you need governmental help? Do you need private industry help? Do you just need people to know that you're out there?
2: What? Uh, before we go there, could we offer some reflections on our time in the school system? Yeah, Maybe? absolutely. I would love to. I would love. I mean, to especially because you share. got two
1: different. You're, you're a public high school graduate, mm-hmm. and and you've got Louisiana. It's the oh, Louisiana school. Louisiana. Yeah, it's
3: okay. actually public school too. Well, I'm,
1: but Invite I mean, it's a public a, school. Yes, it's a. Applicate.
3: <laughs> it's like
1: To say it's a magnet school th- w- Does not do it justice It's something more than that It's a, it's like a boarding school it's That's bougie. a public institution
3: Not bougie Opposite of bougie Opposite of
1: bougie Alright It's bougie ratchet over there holiday. Yo so Don't even so get boring. me started yeah. No <laughs> I don't know what any of those words mean Straight I don't. up I feel you Alright So You know Yes No let's talk yeah. about Let's talk about your
2: time in education yeah. All right. This is I, a long episode okay. That's cool yeah. We'll make it two There it is Uh I, I guess I would like to offer some reflections because I've just really started actually thinking about what my education offered me now being two years out from college, you know? Right. And, like, really reflecting right. and trying to find, you know, some lessons from the past, you know? And what I've realized is that... um High school was terrible and didn't teach me anything. <laughs> uh, that's what I've realized. In yeah. the end, like, you don't remember no. Spanish? <laughs> like, no, man. And, you know, I realize it, you know, but everybody at the time tells you that it's the most important thing and that you have to go to college. You have to learn this stuff because this information is important when ultimately in the real world I use none of it. Yeah, Very, very little of it. Where was my education in how to be a productive member of society? You know? That's what I want. Just, that's what I wanted. Yeah. Just simple yeah. home ec and consumer math. Like, I need yeah. to know how home ec to home li- consumer math. I would have loved how do to learn you do laundry? Sew. Yeah. How do you how do I sew? How do I turn on the oven? How do
3: I grow plants?
2: How do I make a quiche? How do I navigate <laughs> how do you spell quiche? How do I spell quiche? <laughs> but how do I navigate the basics of human life? Because there is a routine, there is a way that our country is set up and there is a way to play the machine to your advantage. Not maybe not to play to your advantage, but there is a way so that you don't get taken advantage of, yes. by the machine, yes, where was my education in that you know I, and I don't want to be bitchy about that. it. I don't want to be a bitchy millennial saying that I wasn't educated, but well and, I, and though, I think
1: you i think you I think you were because, but you only were mm-hmm. because you had outside familial and friends support, you had people in your life who taught you how to do things like. Hey this is what a checkbook looks like and this is how I spend money in it. Hey this is where we go to the grocery store and this is how much milk costs and mm-hmm. this you have to pay your bills on time and you have to do these things. But you had a solid stable both your parents are still married to each other Absolutely. like you yeah. like you got a all American family for yeah, circus freaks though they all are. Yeah. There's there's like that's a very stable home. Mm-hmm. Okay lots of our population are dealing with that. You can't assume that those people will be in everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. And so when you've got someone who falls through the cracks a little bit, there is no general education. Not just general education but like just that general hey like hey we're all here, right? Like we've all got this level at least, yeah. you know. Yeah. And not just understanding but like um I don't know, like I think about and this extends to things to me like um uh, young child support, uh, young young child care, like early early child care, mm-hmm. okay? The fact of the matter is the way that our economy works, young parents – boy, we're way far afield now. I should sort of rein it in, I guess. But this is – I'm I'm passionate about this. The fact that our economy works the way that it does means the young parents almost always have – both the parents have to work. That's a necessity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. If you don't have grandma that lives next door or very, very close and can keep the kids all the time, suddenly you're spending a massive portion of this new second income – to care for your child, and that's if you're lucky enough to do so. If not, where does the kid go? Where? What kind of support and early education is the child receiving? And very basic fundamentals. And it is proven again and again and again with studies if those if the children are not involved, activated, entertained. Um, um, what's the word? Uh, um, not motivated, but stimulated. Stimulated. If they're not stimulated properly at those early ages, like it takes years to catch up. And that's, again, if they stumble into someone to take them under the wing, someone mm-hmm. to do that, to spend that extra time and to have those personal yeah. relationships and with. And that's what I'm saying
2: is that... School can't be every... I'm not asking the school to be a nanny to everybody. No, but I'm saying that school it's get should encompass some part of being a human. Yeah, life you skills. Know? Life skills. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that... Mm. School did me a disservice and sent me out to the world unprepared. I'm just saying that the thing that I reflect back on my schooling is that I wish that there had been some sense of life skill training, you know? Maybe. Possibly.
3: Yeah. Most of the useful skills that I learned came from (laughs) agri-science. Yeah, right? That's fucking true. We built things. (laughs) We learned about chickens and horses. Like, that was more of a real thing to me than... A
1: lot of other classes. So, Alex, if there was, if there was like one thing, I mean, and I, th- I think we could spitball, we could talk all night, the three of us, about changes that we'd like to make specifically to the educational system to leave us all and our society in general in a better standing. But mm-hmm. if there were, if there were one thing in particular that you think could make a big difference um, from what you experienced in high school to what you think someone should be experiencing. What would be the one big addition that you would try to make?
3: It's respect.
0: Hmm.
3: Respect for the students, the teachers, everyone who works in the schools, the parents. Um, it's when students are not treated like human beings, hmm. when they're treated like they are problems, when, they're, when problems arise, because they do. There, there are issues, you know, there's conflict that is in our nature, we could say, we could argue that, or we could disagree for the time being. <laughs> <laughs> conflict arises, um, and we need to respect one another, at least to a degree where we can resolve those conflicts and conclude them. And I mean, a lot of that, those skills are learned at home, first and foremost, before I would say, like, in younger childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even at two, three, four years
1: old, you can learn that basic. Yeah. Other people are not. I have a buddy who always refers to it as NPCs. Other people are not non-player characters. Yeah. That's a <laughs> that's an RPG term, but you know, you're playing a video game, and and you walk into the shop, and the guy that's standing there at the shop and talking to you about what you could buy in the store, mm-hmm. that's not a player. That's not a that's that's a part of the software, right? Mm-hmm. And I think so many times we as human beings and maybe this is part of living behind our screens mm-hmm. as you were mentioning earlier but i think we treat other people as if they were non-player characters you know mm-hmm. and they they all are like we're all behind our little vr helmets you know we're all behind our uh, we're all laying back in our chairs from wally uh, uh letting our letting sure. our bones disintegrate um uh
3: yeah i mean the te- the the perfect example is ACT, SAT scores, you know, standardized testing, suddenly defining whether someone is this or is not that. Yeah. Those numbers mean so little in many cases. I mean, I've heard, I don't even know how many stories about how this person was, was just brilliant with math and yet maybe they had dyslexia. And got numbers switched around. And so on. when they took the ACT, <clears throat> um, their math score was the lowest.
1: Well, I don't think you even have to have um, like a learning disability or something like that no, to, not even. to to be slanted. I mean, I think they're pretty clearly have been proven to be um, male biased, to be racially biased. You know, I mean, the tests are slanted to and, and educationally biased in that we now know there are lots of ways to learn. There are lots of ways mm-hmm. that uh, students and, and human beings interact with knowledge and mm-hmm. the and the gaining and the assumption of it. And the tests are very specifically geared towards one method. You mm-hmm. know, like the, the if you learn like this, I was, the, I was a really good test taker. That's my deal. Mm-hmm. And I almost never had to study because of that. I understood the way the test was going to be formulated. I could take in a very bare amount of the information and then regurgitate it in the manner in which they were going to ask for it. And that was very easy for me. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll say this. You were talking about, like in general, about being prepared for the game of life, so mm-hmm. to speak, about about not being eaten by the machine, about being knowing, knowing how to work the machine a little bit. I think there is at least a portion of that that did set me up for life in that the same parts of my personality that allow me to be a good test taker, the same parts of my brain, the same parts of my thinking <laughs> that work along that way, they make me fit in. Like they make me a better coworker in general. They make – not like that people like me but they make my employer like me uh-huh. they make me look good on paper it's they good make at me playing
3: the game. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because I know what I know the way that you formulate the questions mm-hmm. and I know the way that you want me to formulate my answers. You know, so like and I Is
3: that satisfying?
1: Not alone. It is it is um once upon a time, for instance, mm-hmm. I had a very high ACT score as an example. And once upon a time, I've, I've found a great deal of pride in that. As I began to understand that it is merely <laughs> one manner of assessment and what it really means is that I am this good at taking this test and it means very little outside of that, mm-hmm. uh, I have less pride in it or whatever as I think. It's an interesting thing to note about me and I know that it has applications outside of mere test taking. But other than that, no, it's not in and of itself satisfying. What
2: was your ACT score? Thirty-two. Oh damn.
1: Yeah. S- uh, snaps for that. Snaps, <laughs> snaps. snaps for that. And that was and that was in the old scoring style, which is different than you guys have it now. I've heard right. it's yeah yeah. yeah it's, so it, I would have it would have been a thirty-three. Oh. I've been told. Jeez. Oh, yeah yeah yeah. And the new scoring I would be I, – when I heard that, though, because I tried twice or three times after I'd made the 32, I tried to get a 33 a yeah. few times, and I wasn't able to get it. I didn't get it because my math. My math was so much lower than the rest of my scores. We're, now we're
2: far field. Where were we? <laughs> Super we've been far field a while now. We've been, it's an we hour really, and ten minutes Yeah, ahead. we went really far down so, the educational <clears> Yeah, education.
1: We've talked about – We talked about. you were talking about the respect. The thing that I thought of, that's where I was going to go in a minute. The the thing that I thought of when you said that about respecting the students, respecting the parents, respecting the teachers, respecting the staff, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and respect for one another. It strikes me that if our schools were organized and orchestrated and managed and run in such a way that they treated the students more as clients and less as product or well, okay. Even uh, not products. I have thought about that. <laughs> even not products. Like I feel like in so many ways, the school systems, uh, especially the public institutions, uh, are like they're run closer to like <laughs> farm. Public prisons is what they're run like. Like they, <laughs> like, yeah, they are here for this time, and we have these uh, educational and. Uh, extracurricular activities to keep them busy and not fighting with one another, to, to keep them
2: from being problems, and then they leave.
3: That's real, though. In a lot of schools, that's real. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but I think the idea that students are clients is a dangerous idea. Um, having just gone through the teacher certification workshop for the Society of American Fight Directors, we've talked a lot about the relationship between teachers and students. Mm. Uh, and the idea that I came to was that I think that The students are not clients. They are there for the knowledge. And they must participate to be a part of that knowledge. Like, it's not me selling you this thing, this idea. Because the idea is what's important. It's not me selling it to you. It's not you coming to buy it. It's you coming to participate in it.
3: And the interesting thing there to me is like choice
2: which i think ties back to your respect idea
3: but how how when you're 9 years old and yes. you go to you can't give
2: you little can. timmy <laughs> like i mean the reality of the situation today. is that you can't convince like five to 13 year olds i mean you can't think really expect right anybody to do anything i
1: think you're right about college college mm-hmm. in especially in the united states needs to go in a different uh, maybe a drastically different direction mm-hmm. and i gotta tell you i love higher education i love our institution in particular uh, our, our university here louisiana tech i don't think they're in danger i do think a lot of universities nationwide should close i think there should be a I think there should be a a reduction in the number of institutions because I think it needs to return to not something that necessarily everybody goes to because I think you're right I, I think that. you got to choose I yes. think you need to be here for the knowledge mm-hmm. I think I think that college should be available to more people I think less mm-hmm. people should go Does that make sense Yes No It totally and, makes and, sense It's a fair and, argument Yeah And And But To Do That We Have To Drastically Overhaul Our Our primary and secondary education. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't have anything to do with choice. But you're right, Alex, in that it does have something to do with respect. I think that there is, and maybe client is the wrong word to use, but I think that there is something about the idea of, and you guys were talking about it with the art, bringing them in as a participant. Making the, and you can't, Mm -hmm. the child's not choosing school, but you can find the ways to activate, involve, and and stimulate them in whatever little corner they're in. But we gotta, we've gotta, we got mm. to make them a more
2: active part of the process as totally. opposed to squeezing them all into the little ticky-tack boxes. That's all we're trying to do, man. Just include everybody, you know?
3: <laughs> Ultimately. Yeah. Now we're
2: going to hold you hands know. and sing Kumbaya. I hope Yo, so. <laughs> naked in bongos, dude. Yeah. But it is. It's how do you – how do we all participate? Mm. How do you encourage it? And share. And share. You go Sharing on a podcast. True that. That's what you do. Yeah. You go on a podcast. Healthy uh,
3: dialogue is important.
1: I. Know. That's it's, very it's, very key. This,
3: this com- these conversations don't have to be arguments.
1: No. Mm-mm.
3: Change does not have to come in in the form of hurting other people. We can we have evolved as a species to the point where we can dialogue with each other and we can agree to make changes and try different things. I think. I have faith. It's
1: the the Velvet Revolution. That's what it is. (laughs) It's upon us. All right. um, So uh, real quick before we get out of here – uh, tell people where they can find more about you, more about what you're doing. Uh, let's talk about how people can get in touch with you and, and your art if they've enjoyed these conversations, if they've enjoyed hearing from you. J- uh, Jake,
2: you want to start? Uh, yeah, absolutely. If you're interested in following me, you can follow me at my website, Uh I would encourage you to go and check out my Instagram. It's where I'm kind of cataloging uh, just little snippets, uh, kind of creating a small little portfolio of the work that I'm doing. Uh, You can also find me on Facebook, totally. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But uh, if you're interested at all, I'm based in Atlanta currently as a fight director and a movement artist, but kind of jumping around everywhere. Catch me where you can, dudes. Mm -hmm. All right, awesome. And Alex?
3: Yes, you can find me out there.
2: (laughs) Out there in the spaces. such a better answer.
3: (laughs) I'll be out there and you'll see me. You'll know me.
2: Uh, we're and Probably behind a plant.
3: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> when you say hello to that plant over there, I'll be right behind it.
1: <laughs> Alexandria's and already behind that bush.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and if you'd like to contact me, you can email expressionsofdivinity at gmail.com.
1: Nice. Mm-hmm. Expressions of divinity at gmail.com. And I'll have a link for that in the show notes, too. Uh, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you for having.
1: Me. It was really good uh, hanging out. I had a I had a good time here, guys. Absolutely, this you was feel awesome. like we did some good here today. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, so we Every joined day. in that in that uh, creative uh, process with our
0: with with. God,
1: now we're gonna uh, strip and play bongos, folks. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I can promise you, there was no naked bongo playing. I can I can guarantee that boy I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did we went all over the place didn't we but that's the way that it happens sometimes when you hang out with uh, exciting and excited individuals Uh, Jake and Alex are very exciting and very excited individuals with a lot of passion for their art form and a lot of passion for their fellow man and that was exciting for me I hope you enjoyed the conversation nearly as much as I enjoyed being a part of it and I hope you come back next week we're going to have another live event as a matter of fact it's tonight in Stone Theater uh, Thursday July 30th. We're going to be live in Stone Theater on the campus of Louisiana Tech University for another summer series event. I'm hopeful that we'll have an announcement next week about uh, another event coming up in August, so you may still have a chance to come and join us live. But if you missed uh, the event, or you do miss the event later on today, uh, we'll have that audio for you in next week's show as I'm talking to Dr. Kenneth Robbins, former uh, head of the School of Performing Arts at Louisiana Tech University and a playwright and director in his own right. Very, very cool guy and one of my uh, favorite people. We'll be talking to him next week. So come back and join us. Until then, I'd love your feedback on Facebook or Twitter. You can find us, me and the Geek. You can find the website at MeAndTheGeekPod.com. You can subscribe to the show and review us, please, uh, if you're enjoying it, on iTunes or Stitcher and SoundCloud and even on YouTube. Uh, and, of course, you can email me, MeAndTheGeek, at TeamProCreate.com. Until next week, I'm me, Joel Sharpton at joelsharpton.com and on Twitter at The Rogues Life. And this week's Geek, uh this week's geeks, I should say, were Alexandria Bozeman and Jake Gwyn. And this has been the podcast.
0: One, two, three, four, woo!
1: Me and the Geek is a proud member of the ProCast Network, a Procreate production. Procreate is a community of artists in film, music, the digital arts, and fine arts that helps them connect and collaborate on projects. You can find out more at teamprocreate.com. Also be sure to check out one of our other great shows like Pod on Pod, a weekly review of a different podcast to help you find your new favorite show. Josh and Joel are your hosts as they walk through the wide world of podcasting. From comedy to self-help, Josh and Joel listen to it all so you don't have to.
2: At Tesco, we can pop our pasta in your Astra, our Red Lester in your Fiesta, or our Mayo in your Mondeo. All you need to do is try click and collect. Just go to Tesco.com, order your shopping, then click and collect with the minimum basket spend now only £25. And if you fancy something a little more exotic, we can even put our pad thai in your cash kai. Try click and collect at tesco.com. Every little helps. Selected larger stores, booking charge may apply. See online for full terms and conditions.
1: Welcome on board, ladies and gentlemen. Could the passenger in carriage five please unplug your extension lead and stop charging your phone, electric toothbrush, handheld hoover and power drill on the table. Thank you. Like getting your money's worth? Enjoy the delicious mayo chicken. Just 99p from the McDonald's saver menu.
0: Served after 10.30am, except in selected restaurants which will serve this from 11am. Price and participation may vary.